Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, senior editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you for another Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast here on your BTSC, Behind the Steel Curtain podcast platform. A ton of stuff to talk about with the Pittsburgh Steelers gearing up to play the Buffalo Bills this Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, as well as Mike Tomlin addressing the media and therefore Steelers Nation at the same time on Tuesday at noon, talking about T.J. Watt, talking about the newest cornerback to add to the Steelers uh, roster, talking about injuries, you name it, it was brought up, and we learned a lot. If you missed that recap podcast, go back and check it out. I did that on Tuesday after after the press conference was over. But nonetheless, today, the topic has to be, it has to be, geared around T.J. Watt, not so much about the contract, but more so about the Steelers organization. And if news breaks before this airs that T.J. Watt does indeed sign a new contract, this will not, I repeat, will not be null and void. In other words, there will be some stuff that T.J. Watt, if he signs a contract, you'll be like, well, this deal is done. Some of the questions in the mailbag segment in the second half might not be as poignant, but nonetheless, at the moment that this is being recorded, T.J. Watt is still not signed a new deal. And we're going to talk about what that means to the Steelers organization. And this is has nothing to do with on-the-field performance. This has everything to do with how the Steelers handle their business. We'll talk about that. Before we talk about it, speaking of business, Make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We have film room breakdowns, previews for the upcoming game, the latest in breaking news, injury reports, you name it, we've got it all. Make sure you're checking it out early and often so that you do not want to miss anything. You don't want to be that fan. Let's say you go to the gym after work. You're there with a buddy who's a Steeler fan, and that Steeler fan, your buddy is checking Behind the Steel Curtain early and often. You say, hey, man. Did you hear that uh, the, the Steelers, Mike Tomlin said this? Like, yeah, man, that's old news. You don't want to be that guy. So stay up to speed with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And also, wherever you get your podcast, maybe you just stumbled on this podcast. Whatever the case may be, follow us and subscribe. We have so much content going out now on our audio side that if you don't do that, I'm afraid you're going to miss some of the great shows. And that's not just my Monday, Wednesday, Friday Let's Ride podcast. That's also Jeffrey Benedict's The Cutting Room Floor. That's Michael Beck on Tuesdays, The Live Mike. Uh, the Steelers Stat Geek with Dave Schofield. You have the Ohioans with the Steelers Power Half Hour. Matty Peverell in the War Room. What Yin's talking about. The Fantasy Football Fix with Jeremy Betts. We have it all. Got to follow us, though, on our podcast platform. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers, Behind the Steel Curtain. There you go. Let's get to this topic. This topic is unique. The Steelers do business differently than other teams do, especially when it comes to how they handle contracts. And the question and the topic at hand is how the Steelers have to adapt with the changing NFL landscape. Say it again. The Steelers have to adapt to the changing NFL landscape. 
The way that the Steelers always used to do business is great, and fans love it. It's different. You know, they have like these unwritten rules. We will not negotiate a contract with anyone that is not in the final year of their deal unless you're a quarterback. Okay, that's different. That's really different, but that's one of their unwritten rules. Another unwritten rule is we will not, we being the Steelers, will not negotiate a new contract once the season begins. People, I don't know why, the, the fans are like, ah, yeah, you know, that's, that's the way the Steelers do business. You know, they, they love it. They kind of get behind it. Whatever. But the one thing that, need, that, that needs to be said is that the Steelers need to adapt with how the players are viewing contracts, how agents are viewing contracts, and ultimately they need to adjust. Now, I will say this. Before we get into details with the TJ Watt deal, the Steelers in some ways have shown the ability to adapt. That is important, and we should, we have to say it. They have shown a willingness to adapt in some areas. For instance, let me give you a perfect example. When the salary cap decreased heading into this season, everyone under the sun said, oh, the Steelers are in trouble. They don't know what they're going to do. How are they going to get cap compliant? And even if they do get cap compliant, how are they going to go out and sign anyone? How are they going to keep some of their free agents? You know how they did it? They did something they've never done before. They started to use void years in contracts. Now, I'm not here to tell you all about void years, what it means, what it doesn't mean, all that. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'll leave that up to the others at Behind the Steel Curtain, whether it's Dave Schofield, Jeffrey Benedict, Michael Beck, whoever. I'm not talking about that, but it's just something that they had never done that they did because they had to. So now we have this situation with T.J. Watt. Everyone and their brother for a long time, this is not breaking news, people, has been screaming about how the one thing that is standing in the way, the one hurdle that is standing in the way from this deal being done is guaranteed money. Guaranteed money. The Steelers typically don't give contracts with guaranteed money after the first year. It's just not the way they do business. Here we go again. You're going to hear this a lot in the first segment of this podcast. This is one of those times where the Steelers are going to have to get creative if they don't want to give out the guaranteed money. Because like I said, players are changing. Agents are changing. Agents want to give their players the most money guaranteed as possible. And don't think for a second, mind you, that these athletes aren't looking at players from Major League Baseball in the NBA and saying, look at these guys. They're getting max deals, and 100% of it is guaranteed, regardless of whether you get hurt, regardless of whether your performance stinks, regardless of whether you get cut and you're out of the league. It doesn't matter. It's guaranteed. In the NFL, the most lucrative business in all of sports, the most popular sport in the in the United States of America, not globally, but in the U.S., you're telling me that these athletes are not getting guaranteed deals. A lot of people don't realize that, but that's where we are. And so athletes are saying, I want a guaranteed deal. Give me the guaranteed money. The NFL teams are not one to just you know, fold like a cheap lawn chair. That's not the way that these owners do business. But at some point, you have to adapt. So could the Steelers give TJ Watt the guaranteed money he wants? Absolutely. Will they? I don't think they are. I think they're going to have to get creative. Maybe give him a huge signing bonus. That's guaranteed money. You get that money up front no matter what. So even if you only guarantee the first year, but you give TJ Watt a huge signing bonus, you're then able to defer a lot of that cap hit out in the later years. 
but it's all based on whether Watt's okay with that. But then you go to, okay, you have to change. You have to change. Are you going to do things like void years? That's just an example of how they have changed. Are they going to find a way to keep him? And then the next question is, how bad do you want to keep TJ Watt? How bad do the Steelers view Watt? Or let me say this in a different way. How important do the Steelers view TJ Watt? If you, and I've said this before on this show, I've said it on other shows as well. If you view TJ Watt as a generational talent, and when I say that, I'm talking about a player that comes around once a generation. That is my definition of a generational talent. If you view him in that regard, how in the world could you ever not give him what he wanted? When I think of generational talents, I think about someone like Troy Polamalu. I'd even put Ben Roethlisberger in that category. And guess what? Ben got paid. Ben got paid what he wanted. And Ben also produced. If you view TJ Watt in that same regard, then you get him a deal that he finds is fair. Make him the most lucrative player at his position. Make him the highest paid defender. But the one thing... That, this, that everyone out there, fans alike, have to keep in the back of their mind is that they have to do, and they being the Steelers, they have to do what's best for the Steelers. Fans always want to play sides. They want to pick a side. Some are saying, they're, you know, I'm going to support the Rooney family and the Steelers. TJ Watt's not going to be able to be, you can't bankrupt the team. Then there's the players that say, DJ Watt, you got you to gotta get what you can while you can. Both parties are going to do what they feel is best for their specific entity. The Steelers and the Rooney family are going to do the best for the organization. T.J. Watt's going to do the best for himself. That's not going to change. So you have to try to keep both sides happy. You have to try to find a middle ground. This is where the Steelers might have to get creative. This was an interesting caveat. Our buddy Jerry Dulac, or as we call him, Jer Bear on our shows, Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette put out there that although that unwritten rule that I spoke about of the Steelers, you know, the Steelers don't negotiate contracts once the season starts. And we have a lot of stories, the most famous of like Troy Polamalu signing on the dotted line before he got on the plane to go to week one. He said that there is a caveat here that they have actually had a player sign, not recently, but they've had a player sign after the season started but they honored it based on the fact that they started the negotiations before the season began. So if you're going to follow this line of thinking, and I'm not saying that I do, but if you're going to follow this line of thinking, you're stating that because they are the Steelers and TJ Watt negotiating now, that even if they don't get a deal done by, I don't know, Sunday, when the Steelers play the Bills at 1 o'clock in Buffalo, that they could still get a deal done. And the, the reason why he says that is that in 1995, this is Jerry Dulac. In 1995, safety Darren Perry received a new contract 17 days after the start of the season, and that was based on the fact that they had been negotiating all offseason and then finally got a deal in place. So maybe that's changed. I don't know. That's one example. It's been a long time. This hasn't been recent. But Darren Perry is an example of maybe a, a situation where the Steelers might say, hey, I know this is what we typically do, but we want to get this done. We want to get this deal done. The last thing I want to talk about before I take a break 
And this is specific to the Watt situation. This is not just a general thesis on the Steelers and how they handle contracts and negotiations and how they have to find a way to adapt to these new the, the new requests of players and agents in the National Football League. There's a lot of fans out there, and I'm not sure why they are doing this. I get why, really, but when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Why in the world are fans out there comparing this T.J. Watt contract negotiation to that of Le'Veon Bell before he left? It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. First and foremost, T.J. Watt is playing in his fifth-year option. He is under contract. Likewise, compare that to Le'Veon Bell was not in a fifth-year option. He's a second-round draft pick, so there was no fifth-year option. He was going to be a free agent, and the Steelers used a franchise tag on him. So there's that's a really big difference in the National Football League and according to the collective bargaining agreement. So those are two stark differences right there. Otherwise, Le'Veon Bell, as a, when they had the franchise tag on him, did not show up for anything until the regular season began not for anything now this is obviously not counting the year he sat out he did not show up for anything likewise tj watt has been there every single step of the way he showed up to training camp on time he's been at every single practice he has been at every single meeting the only thing that is different with watt is that he has not participated in preseason games or full contact team drills that's it and then even when it comes down to the contract negotiations, players sometimes players and their agents will release numbers to try to get fans and media on their side. This is, I guarantee you, what happened with Le'Veon Bell when he said, to, or his agent, etc., said, well, the Steelers offered X, Y, and Z. We didn't feel like we were worth that. Well, the problem was is then the Steelers said, Look, we did offer you X, Y, and Z, and you still turned all this down, and it became this back and forth that has not happened in these negotiations. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing based on the fact that TJ Watt's camp or even the Steelers don't feel like either side is so far apart that they feel the need to have to bash the other publicly. So I don't think there's any comparing these two situations, and fans want to. They want to say this is a Le'Veon Bell situation all over again. No, I couldn't disagree more. I could not disagree more. These are two unique situations. I don't feel there are any contract negotiations, whether it's from the same team or different teams, that are this similar. Keep this in mind, folks. TJ Watt wants to be the highest paid defender in the National Football League. And a lot of people would say, as of now, he's earned it. Aaron Donald, give him a couple years, and he's going to say, no, I want to be the highest paid defender. Or when Nick Bosa becomes ready for his next contract. He's going to say, well, I want to be the highest paid defender or any defender, really, when you think about it. They're always trying to one-up each other. Think back to Antonio Brown. The Steelers made him the highest paid wide receiver in the National Football League and then quickly realize, wow, we got this guy at a steal of a deal. That might turn out to be the TJ Watt contract. It might seem crazy ridiculous right now in 2021, but in 2025, it might be a steal of a deal. Keep that in mind. Don't have that knee-jerk reaction. Wait and see how it plays out. All right. In the second half of this show, we're going to get into some mailbag questions. My ride-or-die crew provided a ton of questions. I'm going to do the best I can to answer those, and we'll get right into that right after this break. Stay tuned.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, senior editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. As I always do, every single Tuesday, I put out a tweet that says, all right, ride or die crew, time for some Steelers questions. Hit me up, and again, you all did not disappoint with over 15 questions being asked. I'm going to do the best I can to get through these, try to keep to that 30-minute timeline. Let's get this started. David Testis asks, are we to read anything into TJ Watt not being selected as a team captain? Then he uses hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, David. A lot of people made a big deal out of this. The Steelers, though, only went with three captains. And that's the lowest number I believe I saw since 2017, maybe. That's maybe just what they do. And so if Mike Tomlin said, look, we're only doing three captains this year, one offense, one defense, one special teams, you vote on them. I have to think that Cam Hayward's going to win that vote nine out of ten times. And he did. He's the guy that's been there the longest. They look to him. They respect him. Not that they don't respect TJ Watt, but Cam Hayward is the leader of that defense. If you don't think that isn't the case, you are not watching the same team that I am. You're not following the same team that I am. Ben Roethlisberger's a no-brainer. I'm kind of shocked that Derek Watt got selected as the special teams captain and not Chris Boswell, who's been a captain before. But that's neither here nor there. So I'm not going to read too much into that. If they would have kept, let's say, five captains and he wasn't, that's a different story. All right, Owen David Steeler Nation says, Who will the Steelers wide receiver one be by the end of the season? Do you see parallels between Mapletron and Megatron? So I think that by the end of the season, it will be Chase Claypool. That is Mapletron. When it comes to comparing him to Hall of Famer, Megatron, Charles Johnson, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily see that right now. I just, it's just a little too early. He's going into year two. When Claypool can use his size, speed, athleticism, to completely dominate the opposition, that's when I'll compare him to Charles Johnson. That's exactly what Megatron did week in and week out and was a first ballot Hall of Famer, even though, I think he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm pretty sure, even though he didn't play long in the National Football League. So I do think the wide receiver that'll be the top number one wide receiver, the defenses are saying, we need to stop this guy, it's going to be Chase Claypool, by the end of the season at least. And then Owen also says, love the work you guys at BTSC do. Keeps me going, gives me something to look forward to every day. Thank you, Owen, very much. A loyal member of the Ride or Die crew. I appreciate it. Pitt Sportspot said, what position group, one offense and one defense, do you feel are key to winning in the Buffalo Bills? You know, that's a crazy thing. Here we are on Wednesday. Typically, that's when we're really talking about the next opponent, kind of turning the page. Haven't talked about the Bills too much. We're going to talk about them a lot on Friday. But really, when you look at the Bills, And boy, was Mike Tomlin waxing their car on Tuesday. I mean, he was just making them sound like the 1985 Chicago Bears. But one one position group on offense and defense that are key to winning, on offense, it's got to be the offensive line. Keeping Ben Roethlisberger upright, opening up holes to Najee for Najee Harris, that is going to be critical. So that's the offensive group. On defense, this may sound crazy, but I'm going to go with the secondary. I was tempted to go with the pass rush, but I feel like the pass rush might take care of itself. It's going to be up to the secondary to stop someone like Stephon, uh, Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, you talk about some of the other weapons they have, Cole, Cole Beasley. Last year, they didn't have Joe Hayden in that game. You, you wonder how is Witherspoon going to be used? How is Cam Sutton going to be used? That's the position group on defense that I look for. They have to step up big in a big way. Justin Mitchell says of the Steelers, 
ever going to change their ways and start offering guaranteed money after year one? Hearing that snag might be what stinks, sinks the TJ deal. Well, Justin, I kind of answered that in length in the first part, but I don't think this deal is sunk anytime soon. There's still time. Um, I do think that it's getting down to the witching hour, but I don't think that anyone should say that the the deal's done. Hey, the anyone that's been a part of a union knows there's no better motivator than a deadline. So the fact that the Steelers say, look, we have till Sunday to get this done, or maybe they say Saturday, then you know, as long as TJ Watt comes back to practice on Wednesday, you know that TJ Watt A is going to be playing regardless, but B, you also know that there's the deadline. If we want to get a deal done, there's no better motivator than having a deadline. All right, Brian Haynes says, assuming everyone available plays, what's the plan for digs? How can we contain 130 yards and a score? Is Joe Hayden enough? Or will we bracket him? And he put in parentheses, I think Hayden is more than enough in his honest opinion. And he uses hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Brian, very much. Okay, so I'm looking at this, and this is tough. With Diggs, it all depends on how they utilize him. I don't think the Steelers ever, uh, since Ike Taylor left, have ever had a cornerback travel with a receiver. So it just really honestly depends on how they want to bracket. I don't think the bracketing is what the Steelers are going to do. They're probably going to keep a safety on Diggs' side most of the game. It's going to be a tough challenge. Stefan Diggs is great. When you look at Josh Allen and his ability to extend the play, it makes it really difficult to defend. It's going to have to come from the Steelers' front, getting home. It's going to have to come from multiple players in the secondary, and it's going to have to come from the Steelers just doing their own just do your job as stupid as that sounds from belichick that's what everyone has to do just do their job everything else will take care of itself brian also asked does tj hold out hashtag ride or die crew i don't think so i really don't um mike tomlin said on tuesday at his press conference that he is fully expecting tj watt to participate in practice on wednesday and he he said he's very optimistic a deal gets done also worth noting so unless Wednesday afternoon when practice starts and TJ Watts not out there with the team, that's I think he's definitely going to play. All right, Haskins QB2 says, hey, Jeff, what are the three keys the Steelers need in order to get a dub on Sunday? So how do they get a win? What are the three keys? Well, I've said it before. I'll say it again. They need to be able to run the football. That's going to give them balance on offense. So that's my first one. You have to run the ball to create some balance. Uh, two, they need to stop the run. I know that the Bills are built to throw the ball with with Josh Allen, but they have to make a team one-dimensional. If they are going to be leaky on defense in the run game, that's a recipe for disaster against anyone in the National Football League. And fourth, you have to win on in crucial positions offensively. We're talking third downs, red zone, all of that. They have to be great if they want to go in and beat a great team that like the Buffalo Bills. When you're on the road in week one, you're playing a worthy opponent in the Buffalo Bills. You have to win those specific in those specific areas. So third downs, red zone, kick, kicking field goals isn't going to win it. You got to score touchdowns. You got to convert. Keep Buffalo's offense off the field. That's what you have to do. Good question by Haskins QB two. Uh, let's hear. Evan Henderson says, "Do you think Watt not fully practicing will have an effect on his play?" Good question, Evan. This is a really good question. And Mike Tomlin was asked about this based on the fact that he hasn't participated in any team drills. Mike Tomlin alluded to Aaron Donald, and I think it was 2018, he wanted a new contract, and he he held out. 
And then he went out and did Aaron Donald things right off the bat. He said that he believes that TJ Watt is not quote-unquote normal. And that's a good thing. He's basically saying that this guy is a different breed of player. He'll be able to come out and make plays even if he hasn't practiced. But he has been practicing. He has been doing stuff with his teammates. I think sometimes the perception is that TJ Watt has been over on a side field running around on him and, you know, practicing pass rush moves by himself. If the team's doing sled work, he's doing sled work. If the team's doing, you know, hand positioning, he's doing hand positioning. The only thing he's not doing is hitting. And so if you think that TJ Watt going into year five is going to struggle hitting, then maybe he won't be able to step in and have an effect. I think he's still able to have an effect. I question, though, whether they will spell him more if he plays in week one, whether it's with or without a deal, because he hasn't been playing much. But that's a great question, Evan. Mendez asks, "He, wa- I watched the NFL Network yesterday. I guess Ladanian Tomlinson talked about the dual threat of Watt and Ingram, meaning Melvin Ingram, but no mention of Highsmith, who is the starter opposite Watt. How overlooked is Highsmith? Do you have a sack prediction for him? Definitely double digits. So this is tough. I agree that Highsmith is being overlooked. I think he's going to have a great season. But when I think about this, and I think about pre- predicting this this production from Alex Highsmith, it becomes a challenge based on the fact that I think that they are going to utilize Ingram, Highsmith, and Watt, especially early in the season, almost as like a three-headed monster. They're not going to feel the need to keep two pass rushers out there for extended period of times, especially when they're tired. Now, if you play teams like Baltimore and they're going no huddle and you get stuck out there, that's a different story. But when they had the opportunity to substitute when you have someone like Melvin Ingram, and it's not Cassius Marsh coming off the bench, coming in, or even um, anyone else, if you think about the past players that have come in, um, whether it's like Ola Adenye in the past, it's not that huge step back. So with that, I'm looking at it and saying, maybe his sack production isn't as great based on their usage of Ingram. I would go and say that if I'm setting an over-under on Alex Highsmith's sack total in 2021, I'm going to set that line at 8.5. And if I go over, it's only to nine. I don't think he gets to double digits this year, and that's not a damning statement about him. If he can get eight and a half, nine sacks, we should be jumping for joy because that means that the Steelers are getting tremendous production from the second-year player. But a great question to Mendez. Paul says, at what stat line would you consider Najee Harris's debut on Sunday successful? Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. First and foremost, I really thank the majority of you of my ride or die crew not asking a ton of questions about TJ Watt. Uh, A lot of people are asking unique questions. I haven't even looked at these yet. So thank you very much. But Paul, to answer your question, the stat line that I would consider a success is over 120 yards combined total yards. I would love to see him have more rushing than receiving yards. If he hits pay dirt, that's great. Um, I want to see him do the little things that aren't going to show up on a stat line. I want to see him pick up blitz as well. I want to see him run routes well. I want to see him make people miss. Um, I want to see those little things. That's going to tell me he's going to be successful. The production is going to come. And I wouldn't be shocked if it happens against Buffalo. Nothing against Buffalo. It's just that there's something about Najee Harris. I've said it before. He just has the look of a playmaker. But if he can get, I don't know, 70 yards rushing and let's say 50 yards receiving, he has a nice catch and run. That's a good day. If he gets a touchdown, that's an added bonus. 
All right, next question. Damon29 says, if the TJ deal doesn't get done, what will that do for current players slash free agents' interest in signing or staying with the team? If you won't pay someone like TJ Watt, then why would anyone of elite talent want to stay slash come to Pittsburgh? Great question. I think the Steelers do business in a way that players know what they're getting when they come to Pittsburgh. They're getting a team that will reward you if you are that type of player. And that does mean that they have to find a way to keep TJ Watt. Again, I agree with you. I agree 100%. If you're not going to sign TJ Watt, why would anyone think that they're going to get a contract? TJ Watt's considered one of the best, definitely top three defenders in the NFL. He wants a new deal. Now, I will throw in this caveat, though. Just because if they don't get a deal done now doesn't mean they don't get a deal done after the season. And TJ Watt could use that as an unbelievable amount of motivation to go out, win Defensive Player of the Year, and say, oh, yeah, hey, guys, remember that number we talked about before the season? Yeah, it's more now. So that could happen, too. So keep that in mind. Good good, good question. Good point, though, Damon. All right, Aiden Blaine says, hey, Jeff, love the show. On a scale from 1 to 10, how concerned should Steeler fans be about having two rookies starting on the offensive line this year? Well, um, a scale from 1 to 10, I think that when it comes, and he's talking about Kendrick Green, He's talking about Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle, Kendrick Green at center. If you want to throw in Fryermuth as well, that could be potentially three if you think about an inline tight end. I'm going to say that the the concern level should be about a seven and a half to an eight. Uh, Going on the road doesn't help. Playing a good team like Buffalo doesn't help. Raucous crowd, that place is going to be bumping because they haven't had fans since 2019. They did have some, I think, last year, but you know what a packed house is like. It's going to be different. So I think there's some cause for concern. But I don't think that's a cause that the Steelers are going to lose the game, but it's going to be something to watch for sure. Good question. Last question. Gene says, will Witherspoon become the starting cornerback opposite Hayden in a few weeks? Uh, Akel Witherspoon is who he's referring to. And Mike Tomlin was asked about that, and he said that he adds good quality depth on the outside. I think the Steelers are still searching for how they're going to utilize their defensive backs. Tomlin did say that Cam Sutton's going to move inside and play outside. I think they're going to give Witherspoon every opportunity to be that Steven Nelson type. And then the question then becomes, how are they using Cam Sutton otherwise? So we'll see if this plays out. Tomlin did not seem concerned that Witherspoon is new to the team. He talked about Joe Hayden not having a lot of time to get acclimated. He thinks Witherspoon will be able to do it as well. We shall see. Witherspoon has the size, speed, athleticism that Steeler fans love. 6'2", he's tall, he's long, has good ball skills. He's fast. I think he has a 4-5, 40-yard at the combine. This kid can play, but can they put him in position to play? We'll see. Good questions. Great questions, actually. My ride or die crew showing out in a big way. I appreciate every single one of you for providing questions. If you want to be a part of my ride or die crew or ask questions for Tuesday, I'm sorry, for Wednesday's show, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter. That's at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And I will put out that every Tuesday, that question. Otherwise, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And as we always finish it out here, folks, be safe. Be kind, and God bless. On Friday, I will be back talking predictions, picks, with Coach Mr. Captain Blue Checkmark Michael Beck. I can't wait. Hope you can either. Here we go, baby. We'll see you on Friday.